0: You're listening to the Today Show podcast right here on News Plus Radio. Today, provide you with in-depth news and expert analysis. Tell you the whole story and the bigger picture. Bring you the news you want
1: to know only on Today. Today. Xi Jinping has told Trump it's vital for the international communities to stay united over the Korean Peninsula issue. Chinese foreign minister rejects claim that China's financing increases Africa's debt burden. Also, China says Indian army chiefs' comments over its influence unconstructive. You're listening to Today, a news program with a different perspective. I am Sui. Coming up, we have an hour of world news and analysis. If you have any questions or want to leave a comment, simply follow us on Weibo. We are CRI today. To hear this episode again or to catch up on previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching for World News Analysis. Chinese President Xi Jinping told his U.S. counterpart Donald Trump that the hard-earned easing of tensions on the Korean Peninsula must continue. Xi Jinping made remarks during a telephone conversation with Trump on Tuesday, stressing that unity on this issue is extremely important. In response, Trump said the U.S. side values China's significant role in resolving the Korean Peninsula issue and is willing to strengthen communication and coordination with China on this matter. Meanwhile, senior officials from 20 countries are scheduled to meet in Vancouver, Canada to discuss North Korea's nuclear ambitions in a bid to increase diplomatic and financial pressure on Pyongyang. Both China and Russia dismissed a meeting, saying it's counterproductive and will further complicate the situation on the peninsula. Now, For more on this, we're now joined on the line by Zhao Tong, fellow in Carnegie's nuclear policy program based at the Carnegie Tsinghua Center for Global Policy. So, Professor Zhao, talking about the timing of the uh, telephone conversation between the two state leaders this time, is it directly related to the changing situation on the Korean peninsula, do you think?
2: Well, I think that's possible. Uh, We have seen recently some very positive development in the inter-Korean relationship. North Korea has uh, extended an olive branch to South Korea, uh, whether uh, North Korea is serious uh, in de escalating the tensions what does North Korea want to achieve I think uh, US and China both are very important players in uh, addressing the North Korea nuclear crisis both feel a need uh, to coordinate uh, on these uh, important matters so the the, summit, the, the phone call between President Trump and President Xi might be related to the recent developments on the Korean Peninsula. Hmm.
1: So Xi Jinping says it's vital for the international community to stay united over the issue. How do you see the signal, considering we know Canada and the United States are hosting a meeting without the participation of China and Russia?
2: Well, the signal is A little worrisome from the Chinese perspective Um, the two co-hosts Canada and United States are not completely on the same page regarding uh, the background of this conference what uh, should be the main theme of the discussion Uh, based on what I heard um, Canada initially uh, wanted to have a broader participation in this conference and has even extended an unofficial invitation to countries like China. Uh, But uh, later on, when the United States uh, intervened, uh, the US didn't want the discussion uh, to be about uh, the Chinese and Russian proposal of suspension for suspension strategy It only wants discussion to focus on how to uh, implement the so-called maximum pressure strategy on North Korea. And therefore, the uh, previous unofficial invitation to China was withdrawn. Uh, So clearly, uh, from the Chinese perspective, this represents uh, the Euro-American unilateral approach of of addressing international uh, security uh, issues which means it prefers to deal with these issues uh, through a coalition of like minded countries and doesn't want to uh, take into consideration different views. Um, so China certainly feels uh, discouraged, I think, by this uh, development. Hmm.
1: So talking about the U.S. stance, President Trump tweeted he could be a friend of North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. He also said he's happy to see the current momentum, and the president kind of took credit for the recent achievement and recent momentum. So we are receiving these conflicting signals. The White House said there's no policy shift. So do we have a clear policy when it comes to the United States side?
2: well it's not surprising i guess that uh, president trump uh, wanted to take credit uh, for almost everything including the recent improvement in inter-korean relations Uh, he believes that uh, this north korean overture is a direct result of his uh, very uh, staunch position on north korea insisting on uh, coercive pressure on pyongyang and that uh, led to uh, North Korean uh, making some concessions and wanting to improve relations. Um, and he even said you know, very interesting things, including uh, you know, he, uh, he's not against talking with Kim Jong-un. Uh, he would probably be a very good friend with Kim Jong-un. Um, so despite his uh, uh, rhetoric, I think one thing that has not changed is the bottom line of American policy regarding North Korea. The U.S. uh, position has always been that uh, in order for U.S. to talk to North Korea, Pyongyang has to make a commitment uh, to the goal of denuclearization. And uh, White House has not signaled any willingness to consider other proposals, uh, including uh, the Russian and Chinese proposal of focusing on near-term goals, such as preventing the further growth of North Korean capability. And so the American position has not changed, uh, which means looking into the future is uh, very uncertain whether the current improvement in inter-Korean relations will necessarily lead to a uh, North Korean-U.S. improvement of relations.
1: Like you mentioned, President Trump mentioned uh, he said he's open to the idea of sitting down with uh, the North Korean leader. Uh, So some observers are uh, like anticipating a different scenario, an icebreaking talk, maybe between a sudden icebreaking between the United States and North Korean officials. So, how do you see the possibility of this kind of uh, scenario?
2: Um, At this moment, uh, I don't see that happening in the near term future. Uh, take the example of the uh, Vancouver Conference, uh, North Korea. Uh, the U.S. has made it very clear um, it, for the foreseeable future, the focus of American policy is to better implement the maximum pressure strategy, uh, to strengthen uh, coercive measures against North Korea, uh, to better implement economic uh, sanction measures, uh, to enhance the international coalition, to uh, isolate North Korea internationally. Um, Trump's belief that uh, previous coercive measures have led to recent North Korean diplomatic overture will only uh, encourage the American government to further uh, strengthen the coercive measures in the future. So there is no sign that the U.S. Uh, is going to lower its preconditions for uh, talking with North Korea. And don't forget the fact that uh, the U.S. Secretary of Defense, Mattis uh, also uh, participates uh, in this Vancouver conference, which means uh, the focus of the meeting will be on coercive measures, including even possibly military uh, options. Hmm. Um so in that background, I don't see uh, Trump um, being able to to talk with North Korea uh, if the U.S. insists on North Korea making major concessions on its nuclear policies first. Hmm.
1: So how do you expect the current talks between North and South Korea to go from now on? Because some people say it's a good window period before the Pyeongchang Olympics, but others say it will fail once they move beyond topics surrounding Olympics, and touch on thorny issues like uh, denuclearization?
3: Well, I
2: think um, one of the reasons North Korea has extended uh, an olive branch to South Korea is because North Korea has obtained a basic uh, nuclear deterrent uh, with the United States, especially after it has successfully conducted the hwasong 15 BBM test. Therefore, North Korea feels uh, it is capable of making some, of offering some self-restraint. Um, so um, North Korea wants to uh, engage with South Korea to get some uh, benefit uh, for uh, you know, offering that self-restraint. Um, South Korea so far has responded very positively but we all know that uh, so far uh, the U.S. has only agreed to postpone the joint military exercises, which means after the Winter Olympics, the uh, exercises, the key result, and Fall Eagle will take place. And we also know that on the North Korean part, uh, Pyongyang has recently made it very clear that it has every intention to restart its civilian rocket program it is planning to launch uh, a satellite uh, sometime this year. Those moves could be very, uh, could be interpreted by US and South Korea as very proactive, even though from the North Korean perspective, they are purely for civilian purposes. So in other words, there are big uncertainties uh, looking forward, and uh, we may have to buckle up and prepare for the possibility that things will turn down uh, after the Winter Olympics. Mm.
1: Thank you very much, Professor Zhao, for joining us this evening. We've been talking with uh, Zhao Tong, fellow in Carnegie's nuclear policy program based at the Carnegie Tsinghua Center for Global Policy. Let's take a short break. Coming back, Chinese foreign minister rejects claim that China's financing increases Africa's debt burden. You're listening to Today. Stay with us.
4: What matters to China increasingly matters to the world. Keep up to date with the latest news and events about the Middle Kingdom with the China Plus app. Up to the minute reports, live streaming audio, insightful opinion on everything China related. Facts, figures and language learning resources at your fingertips. Everything in focus all in one place. Search for China Plus in the App Store or Google Play.
1: Welcome back. You're with Today. I am Sui. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi rejects voices demonizing China's helping hands extended to African countries, saying that China is the country that offers real solutions to the growing pains of the developing continent. He made remarks during a joint press conference with his Angolan counterpart, Manuel Augusto, on Monday. Yu Yang has the story.
5: In spite of comprehensive efforts by China to help Africa grow, there have been claims that Chinese financing is increasing the debt burden of the less developed continent and is strained with political considerations. In his response, Wang Yi suggested the current debt status in some African countries is the accumulative result after long period of time. He said China has increased its financing support for African countries as Sino-African cooperation keeps moving forward. Meanwhile, he reiterated China's assistance meets the real needs of Africa.
3: China's financing is in response to Africa's demands for self-development. A country would have a huge need for capital in its primary stage of economic takeoff and industrialization, and Africa is no exception. China has provided financing to the best of its ability in response to the demands of African countries, which has served as a timely help for their socio-economic development and is highly valued and welcomed by them.
5: Wang Yi called the claims a Chinese financing an outright false accusation made with ulterior motives. He again noted China never attaches political conditions to foreign assistance.
3: When providing aid to and engaging in cooperation with Africa, China will not repeat what Western countries did and will never impose its own views on others. The respect for Africa and its interests are always put first in China's assistance.
5: According to Wang Yi, China's financing support for Africa has always gone through a strenuous process to ensure equal footing and mutual benefit. He also reaffirmed China's support for African countries' pursuit of sustainable development and economic diversification. He said China will continue to do its part in helping Africa enhance its self-development capacity and realize sound economic and social growth. He also suggested African countries and people are the best qualified to speak about their cooperation with China and to decide who is their most reliable partner.
1: That was Yu Yang reporting. For more on this, we're now joined on the line by Benjamin Mawadi, scholar of Democratic Republic of Congo at China Foreign Affairs University. So, Mr. Mawadi, how would you see this kind of comment saying China's financing increased the debt burden of African countries? Yeah,
6: thanks, sir. Uh, I want to say, first of all, if we want to say that the financing of China in Africa continue to increase the border of state, uh, I would like to say now and now it's a great fight. It's a great fight. On the contrary, uh, this financing of China in Africa is a very great opportunity for uh, African countries to uh, to the Torah, the economic takeoff, and uh, uh, to pay all the change Debt uh, that seems to be a technology of the West country. I don't think so. I think uh, this uh, debt of the uh, uh, African country or uh, uh, China financing, broader the debt of African country, is uh, a great part. It's a great part for me. I don't think so. But uh, let's say that it is uh, not longer a secret that is the financing of West countries that contribute of the excessive debt border of African countries. I don't think so. China financing uh, Africa uh, is the border of uh, Africa. Mm-hmm. It is a a the problem. Mm-hmm.
1: So what's behind this debt issue for African countries? We know it's different case by case. Uh, but how how serious is the problem in, in Africa?
6: You, you know, um, there is a, a Chinese proverb that says, "If you give me a fish, I will eat, mm-hmm. and tomorrow. But if you teach me how to fish, I will never be angry again." Mm-hmm. To say that the biggest problem of most of the financing of African countries uh, that 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 don't focus in, in the sense of giving the African country themselves capacity of them sustainable development. It, it, it is the, the biggest uh, problem of, of, of the debt burden of African uh, countries. The African country is the less industrialized country and uh, more focused in the, the in, in, in of selling uh, the raw material in the West Country in other countries uh, in, in the world, and the non-industrialized uh, uh, country, but the most important thing we must know: the African uh, country needs to be industrialized and to have their self-capacity for their development. Uh, Is the most important problem in Afghanistan now to have to have the country can be industrialized and their self capacity of development.
1: Hmm. So you also mentioned a Western country and the, the tradition like assistance and development projects in Africa. So in general, how would you uh, characterize China's assistance project and also development joint projects in Africa? And how are they different from those projects from uh, Western countries?
6: You know, uh, first of all, we, we must know that against the bump and road initiative of the Chinese uh, People for helping the African country to have uh, the own capacity for their development. We have what we call belt and road exploitation, but now the African country don't need uh, the letter, that is to say the belt and road exploitation anymore. Some of uh, the scholar uh, can say that uh, this kind of uh, cooperation, the uh, Help or help or the African country. I say about the Belt and Road Disputation, or can uh, did help or help the African country. I'm agree about that, but we must know that it was or uh, it, 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 it is a bad help, a bad head. Mm-hmm. Look, uh, what were the outcome of the adjustment program? and the Millennium Development Goal, mm-hmm. the great fiasco, the great fiasco, the African uh, uh, country can't not take uh, many more years with this kind of cooperation. Go see uh, in Africa what's going on now in the great black region, particularly in DRC, in the Democratic Republic of Congo. The most free years exploitation, the most serious exploitation in order of gold and road exploitation. What were happening Li- in Libya, mm-hmm. in Cote d'Ivoire, in Sudan? Now we have North and South Sudan. What happened in, in, in Nigeria? To name just a few. We don't need this kind of hard power. We don't need this kind of hard power. To say that, now, African countries need to have them own capacity for their development. We all know that for it, it, uh, it, a development, uh, a country will have a, a high need uh, for capital mm. uh, in its uh, primary stage uh, of economic takeoff and uh, industrialization. And the African country are not exception for this rule. I think Sino african or China-Africa cooperation is the most great opportunity for the African country to be industrialized and to have this whole and self-capacity. Uh, let me uh, paraphrase the President Xi Jinping in the newspapers that Apparent uh, on December uh, uh, 14 mm. uh, during the commemoration in the Najing Massacre. He said, Manufacturing is a in real economy. We should be driven by innovation and technology. Mm. Therefore, it is the time for the African country to choose who is the best. And the best for the sustainable development.
1: Hmm. Thank you very much, Mr. Mwandi, for joining our program this evening. We've been talking with Benjamin Mwandi, scholar of Democratic Republic of Congo at China Foreign Affairs University. Meantime, a summit connected to the Korean Peninsula nuclear issue is getting underway this Tuesday in the Canadian city of Vancouver, The one-day event co-hosted by Canada and the U.S. is being attended by senior officials representing the 20 countries that fought under the United Nations banner during the Korean War. U.S. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, U.S. Defense Secretary James Mattis, as well as Canadian Minister of National Defense Harij Singh Sajjan are leading the sessions. China and Russia are not being represented at the summit. Chinese authorities have been on record saying the gathering could end up hurting the recent headway being made between North and South Korea. The two sides have been engaged in a series of talks over the past week, which will include vice-ministerial-level talks this Wednesday. Chinese authorities have said they will help Iran deal with the aftermath of a ship collision in the East China Sea. Foreign Minister Wang Yi has extended condolences to his Iranian counterpart over the deaths of all 30 Iranian sailors aboard a tanker. There were also two Bangladeshis on board. San Chi, the Panama registered ship, sank on Sunday, eight days after the collision. Iranian media reports suggested all crew members may have been dead within an hour of the accident. By the time the ship sank, only three bodies had been recovered, as well as the ship's black box. Chinese foreign minister is now in Gabon for an official visit. During a meeting with his counterpart, Wang Yi reiterated China's support for Gabon's efforts to realize economic diversification. He also said China will continue to provide necessary support for Gabon in infrastructure development. Gabon's foreign minister reiterated his country's adherence to the One China Principle and its willingness to join the Belt and Road Initiative. Gabon is the third leg of Wang Yi's tour foreign nation visit to Africa that also includes Rwanda, Angola and Satome and Principe. It's been announced that Liu He will represent China at the upcoming World Economic Forum annual meeting in Davos, Switzerland. Liu is heading the general office of the Central Leading Group for Financial Economic Affairs. This year's event will start next Monday. He will attend at the invitation of WEF founder and executive chairman Klaus Schwab. Let's take a short break here. Coming back, China says Indian Army Chief's comments over its influence on constructive China develops typhoon forecast system. Also, this country significantly increased classic literature in high school textbooks. Cranberry singer Dolores Ordenan deaths at the age of 46. If you have any questions or want to leave a comment, simply follow us on Weibo. We are Ginger CRI today. To hear this episode again, we'll catch up on previous episodes. You can download our podcast by searching for World News Analysis. You're listening to Today. I am Sui. Stay with us.
4: Chinaplus.cri.cn is your home for everything you want to know about China.
7: The latest news in China and everything China-related from around the world.
4: Everything in focus, all in one place, bringing you vital information for your business and travel.
7: Chinese culture, language learning and more.
4: Chinaplus.cri.cn
7: Chinaplus.cri.cn, your portal into today's Middle Kingdom.
6: I am Alka Acharya. I teach at the Jawaharlal Nehru University in India. Today has uh, organized its programs and it uh, rests on uh, bringing in a lot of views uh, from all over. It is an extremely good platform for uh, information and analysis and I wish it all
4: success in the future. Online on air and on your phone. Take today wherever you go and stay ahead of what's changing our world. From politics and the economy to business and technology, Today covers regional and international issues that affect China and the world. Keep up to date with Today.
1: You're listening to Today with News and Analysis with me, Sui. First up, look at the weather around the globe. In China, Beijing will be sunny tomorrow with a high of 6 degrees Celsius and a low of minus 7. Xiamen, overcast with a high of 21 and a low of 13. Lanzhou, cloudy with a high of 2 and a low of minus 6. Elsewhere, London, rainy with a high of 6 degrees Celsius and a low of 2. Washington, D.C., overcast with a high of 4 and a low of minus 5. Nairobi, Kenya, cloudy with a high of 28 and a low of 14. And finally, Canberra, Australia, sunny with a high of 24 and a low of 9 degrees Celsius. Now's global survey, where we'll take a look at the headlines from around the world. Joining me in the studio is Zhao Ying.
8: First up in Asia. In Japan, a supermarket in Gamaguri has activated an emergency warning system to alert residents to avoid eating locally purchased blowfish after a mix-up saw toxic parts of a delicacy go on sale. Bangladesh says it has agreed a timeframe with Myanmar from repatriating hundreds of thousands of Rohingya who fled an army crackdown last year.
1: Turning to Oceania, an Australian teenager, has been found alive in a car wreck after his father made an intuitive decision to search for him in a helicopter, saying the country the unusual sight of a wallaby bounding across the Sydney Harbour Bridge a surprised early morning motorists.
8: Moving on to Africa, an aide to Zimbabwe's former president Robert Mugabe has said he feared civilians could drag out and lynch the leader in a Libyan scenario. In Lesotho, a mining company operating in the country says it has dug up the fifth largest diamond ever discovered that weighs 910 carats and is about the size of two golf balls.
1: And in the Middle East in Syria, key powers involved in the country's civil war have criticized U.S. plans to help the allied Kurdish-led militia set up a 30,000-strong border security force. Israel and India have hailed the dawn of a new era in their relations after signing key deals in defense, agriculture and aviation sectors.
8: Looking to Latin America, in Colombia, a motorway bridge under construction has collapsed, killing at least nine workers and injuring five others. In Chile, Pope Francis has arrived in the country on a visit overshadowed by child sexual abuse accusations against almost 80 members of Chilean clergy.
1: In Europe and Denmark, more than 1,000 young people have been charged by police with distributing sexually explicit material. UN World Tourism Organization has said Spain said replaced the United States as the world's second most popular tourism destination, while France has retained the top spot.
8: And finally, in North America, in the United States... President Donald Trump has said he was totally misinterpreted by those saying he used the term shithole to de- describe African nations last week. Canadian police said an alleged scissor attack on a 11-year-old girl's hijab never happened.
1: Thank you very much, Zhao Ying. That was the global headline survey for today. China denounced Indian Army Chief General Bimpin Rawat's recent comments of calling Doklam a disputed territory and said his unconstructive comments were not helpful for maintaining peace at borders. At a press conference last week, General Rawat said it was time India shifted its focus from the western border with Pakistan to its northern frontier with China and accused China of exerting pressure along the line of actual control. In response to his comments, Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesman Liu Kang said on Monday that General Rawat's comments went against the consensus reached between Prime Minister Narendra Modi and Chinese President Xi Jinping at the BRICS summit last September. Liu Kang stressed that Lang is China's territory and China will continue to exercise its sovereign sovereignty rights in accordance with historical convention. Now, for more on this, we're now joined on the line by Ye Heilin, Director of Center for South Asia Studies with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. So, Mr. Ye, General Rawat says India should shift its focus from its western border to its northern border, apparently referring to... To the frontier border with China, so how do you see the comments, particularly against the backdrop of the bilateral relationship recovering from last year's Doklam standoff?
9: Actually, from the Doklam accident till now, Indian some senior officers, especially from their military mechanism, some uh, high-ranking officers thought uh, their their confidence are increasing, and then thought they, the Doklam accident leave them paved the way for Indian to show the muscle to China some Indian senior officials thought maybe, uh, no matter what the reason behind the, the mutual compromise, Indian uh, risk policy or the Indian productive policy now cons- uh, leave some consequences benefit for Indian side. So, Indian probably would like to try an- another time or show their tough attitude towards China, and then Indian not only can gain something on the ground, on the di- uh, disputed areas, but also can show Indian enjoyed the uh, advantageous position when compare or engage with China, and show this kind of the uh, uh, strategy situation to the South Asia's uh, medium or small countries, and then to stabilize the so-called the regional hegemony. I think now it's time to India, for Indian should realize that the Doklam accent has some very special and particular uh, special reason for both sides to take some uh, compromise. But if such accident happen again, nobody can guarantee that China will take the same technique and adopt the same policy to try to uh, take a un- unipolar compromise to stabilize the situation. The India should realize that if India want to play some dangerous game, they will lead, definitely will lead some consequence. Mm-hmm. The things will happen once doesn't mean the things will happen twice.
1: So, can we say the comment represents the uh, kind of a mainstream mentality of India's military uh, officers and also the government?
9: We won't say the Indian's, this uh, this general's comment is the mainstream of the Indian government, but it definitely will be the mainstream of the Indian military or security forces. We know there are some lobby campaigns within the Indian administration, but we have to admit. And we had to figure out that the Indian military and the sec- uh, security forces, including their intelligence agency, now played more and more role on the Indian's foreign policy, sh- uh, uh, formula, uh, process. So uh, China also needs to recognize that if such kind of the attitude or such kind of the risk policy, uh, can win, uh, more, uh, getting strong and strong within the Indian administration, then this year, 2018, probably China should be careful to address the possible uh, engagement or even the confrontation on the dispute areas or the, on the disputed border between China and India. Hmm.
1: The general, the, uh, the army chief also suggesting uh, India should check China's growing assertiveness in the whole region in its neighboring countries. So it's a fair argument. And how would you characterize China's diplomatic posture in, in the area?
9: I think China still has some self-control. China doesn't want to make the situation more complicated. But of course, all uh, the interaction has a two sides. China will take the, will adopt the necessary, necessary step to protect their own uh, sovereignty and their own territory. So it's not only to rely on the China's attitude. It's also the Indian's attitude is quite important. If Indian think they can take the most, uh, Aggressive steps towards the, the the dispute areas, I think China has to make some reaction and lead the situation beyond the, the 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 expectation of the two leaders. But uh, eventually, it it's not a one country's game; it's two countries. Mm.
1: We know all of these happened after Chinese and Indian leaders talk about their bilateral ties face to face several times in the past few months. Like the meeting between Chinese President Xi Jinping and Prime Minister Narendra Modi on the sidelines of last year's BRICS summit, so what should be done by the two countries to seize this momentum? And more fundamental question is how to increase the mutual trust between these two major Asian countries.
9: I think firstly we should recognize that the mutual trust is not one side story; it's neither two sides to make the joint effort. So if only one side makes some steps, there will be the unilateral compromise, and then they won't lead to any positive consequence. So China and India should work together. And work together means both sides should, should pay more attention on the uh, joint effort and uh, for pay more attention on the bilateral cooperation in another aspect, in another field. So I think it's not the time only for China to take the, uh, take the, 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 the steps. The Indians also should change their mindset, should really, uh, really take the serious thinking about what's the mainstream of the chi- uh, bilateral relation between India and China. And India, the first way I think for, China, for, for Indian, they should realize that no matter what happened in the action, accident, it's a fuel accident. And there are thousands of uh, kilometers disputed border. And if India want to launch the, some kind of a campaign against the China, they will suffer the very severe military and political pressure from the northern neighbors and not only from the northern neighbors and also from the other uh, south asia countries so India should double, double think what's the most uh, benefit uh, what's the most important policy for India for his own security and the interest Indian shouldn't rely on the china uh, take the single step, only the china take the Take the steps to stabilize the situation. I think it's not the real situation on the ground. And um, if China, India always thought the aggressive steps can make the China make the compromise, they will be very dangerous. Hmm.
1: Thank you very much, Mr. Ye, for joining our program this evening. We've been talking with Ye Hai Director of Center for South Asia Studies at the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. After break, China develops typhoon forecast system. You're listening to today. Stay tuned. Chinaplus.cri.cn is your home for everything
4: you want to know about China.
7: The latest news in China and everything China-related from around the world.
4: Everything in focus, all in one place, bringing you vital information for your business and travel.
7: Chinese culture, language learning and more.
4: Chinaplus.cri.cn
7: Chinaplus.cri.cn, your portal into today's Middle Kingdom.
1: Welcome back. You are with Today. I'm Sui. In recent years, extreme weathers and global warming have been in the spotlight both in China and around the world. The scientific research and study has been one of the key factors in the process of combating climate change. Now some Chinese scientists have made breakthrough in scientific research in having a much more accurate forecast of the typhoon through the study of the waves and the Earth's climate change by using climate system models and high-resolution computers. China's Qingdao National Laboratory for Marine Science and Technology, together with the National Center for Atmospheric Research and Texas A&M University, is now jointly promoting the construction of the International Laboratory for High-Resolution Earth System Predictions. Now, For more on the country's development in typhoon forecast system and the possible challenges that China is still facing in in marine science and technologies, my colleague Wu Yu has spoken with Huang E, advisor to China's Qingdao National Laboratory for Marine Science and Technology and China's State Ocean Administration, and the former chief scientist for oceanography, and oceanography at NASA.
10: First of all, recently Chinese scientists have announced vital breakthroughs on marine scientific research. This relates to a neglected topic on the study of ocean waves. What has informed this turnaround, and can you elaborate more on the study's significance?
0: Wave, in tradition, ocean study has been ignored. The reason that they ignore wave is because the horizontal scale of wave is so small. So they think that the small scale motion can be averaged out, especially wave is periodical motion. But turns out the wave is very important in the vertical structure of the ocean. It's critical for ocean surface temperature formation. The ocean surface is very warm because they get the energy from the sun. Bottom water is very cold, but to mix the surface, you have to bring the light, warm water down and bring the heavy and cold water up. So that needs energy. Now, where are the most of the energy-rich components in the ocean? wave actually contains 90% of the ocean energy. But traditionally, they just ignore it. The reason that they ignore it is just ignorance, not based on any theory or whatever. Here in Qingdao, the scientists in the first institute of oceanography, they actually prove that the wave contribute critically to the vertical mixing. And that basically changed the ocean upper layer temperature structure. The ocean surface temperature actually is the boundary condition for atmosphere. The weather that we feel is actually from atmosphere. But atmosphere has very little heat content. All the heat in the atmosphere can be condensed in three meters of water. The ocean's surface temperature provides boundary condition to the atmosphere, and it also contains a lot of heat. It can absorb more heat into the water. Now, by realizing the critical role of the wave, they theoretically analysis and they prove a theoretical model that the wave actually contribute to mixing. And once you consider that, they dramatically improve the ocean circulation model and directly influence the climate and the weather change that including typhoon and long-term climate change even.
10: What kind of role does the study of ocean waves play in typhoon forecast?
0: Okay, In typhoon forecast, typhoon model reported by Dr. Chao Fang Li, one new element that they include is the spray, the ocean surface spray now, when you have a strong wind and a strong wave, the wave will break and spread water in, in the atmosphere. And that created a lot of heat exchange. But in the past, people have considered the spray, but they have the wrong parameters. They thought the spray is related to wind, but the spray actually is because of breaking of the waves. Of course, waves is related to wind, but not directly. So, by consider the wave-breaking model and incorporate that result into the typhoon model, and that drastically improve the, the typhoon model. They can actually increase the intensity of strong typhoon. Unfortunately, they have not improved the small scale, the weaker typhoon. I believe uh, they are on the verge to do that. The reason is that the, in a weak typhoon, the ocean surface is still highly stratified because the mixing is not that violent. And once they consider the influence, not only surface wave, but the internal wave. So there are all kinds of waves. Some are surface, some are internal. If they consider that, I think they can improve weak typhoon as well. That's, again, a wave phenomenon.
10: <laughs> in previous years, China didn't have any journals published on the UN-leading climate study work IPCC. Now China is among the top 10 countries contributing to the IPCC reports. Now, how would you evaluate China's progress in the oceanic study and its scientific research both domestically and globally? What are China's advantages in marine research?
0: I think China ocean research has uh, Advanced drastically over the last ten years. Okay, for example, ten years ago or 20 years ago, we practically have no voice. But now, on publication, for example, compare publication, China's. Near top, not quite top yet, but near the top. So over the last 10 years, many, many young scientists get into that under the leadership of, of course, the established uh, scientists. And this is a broad front of advancement. Previously, our research force is very weak we don't have a research vessel, for example. But last year alone, the government gave each Ocean Research Institute numerous of research vessels. Like, for example, here in the first Institute of Oceanography, uh, they received two research vessels. One is 5,000 tons, the other is 2,000 tons. And that can reach any corner of the ocean. With the two, and with the theoretical development, I think that China is supposed to be the leader in ocean research in the next decade or so. In the last 10 years, for example, from my point of view, that uh, a drastic improvement in their modeling effect. The Chinese computer is just unbelievable, the supercomputer. And without a supercomputer, you cannot do modeling. If you cannot do modeling, you cannot do prediction. So, you know, previously, we don't have this supercomputer, but now we have supercomputer. And with the supercomputer, they demonstrate that it can actually build ocean model better than anybody else. Why? Because they have included current, wave, tide, all in one. That's a complete mechanics frame versus the traditional view of only considered circulation ignore wave, ignore tide, and all that. So I think Chinese, because we start late, but we can accept the new idea more readily than the old tradition schools. So this is one of our advantage. I think building a national laboratory is really is going to play a critical role in the future Chinese ocean research development. If we look at around uh, in the world other research center, you go to the uh, United States, two leading ocean research institutes, Scrib Institute, and Wuzhou. They are all part of a university. Wuzhou, originally, was not part of the university, but that becomes part of joint program with MIT. Uh, Script is part of UCSD. They are all more academic-orientated institutes. You go to France, France big institute is national laboratory. In England, the British, they also have the national laboratories. But here in Qingdao, it's very different. The ocean national laboratory is a combination of university and they have national laboratory from Chinese Academy of Science and also Chinese Ocean Administration. Chinese Ocean Administration is equivalent to uh, NOAA. So they combine education, research together The research results can find an easy way into application, into payback to the society. I think uh, this is a uh, much more unique situation than any of the world-leading ocean research institutes by comparison.
10: What are the main challenges faced by China in oceanic study and research? And why do you think these challenges are there?
0: I I think the challenge here is uh, you have to build a uh, deep tradition in research. That we lack. We have a young, raw energy to push forward. But the experience and the tradition need a time to, to cultivate. And uh, given time, I think we will get it. You look at all the publications and all that, that represent the effort of the younger generation as well as combination of the older generation. What we lack is the depth. The depth is the tradition. That needs time to build, okay? Once we have that, I think we have a very complete, we'll have a super combination. <laughs>
1: That's Huang E, advisor to China's Qingdao National Laboratory for Marine Science and Technology and China State Ocean Administration. Coming up in other news, China significantly increases classic literature in high school textbooks. Also, Cranberry Singer, Dolores Orrildon, dies at the age of 46. You're listening to Today. Stay with us.
2: Hello, this is Michael Zhang. Greetings from Los Angeles of the Golden State of California. Thank you today for making me part of your team.
6: I truly enjoy the debates we had and look forward to many more
2: in the years to come.
10: Hello, I'm Gloria Seed, First Secretary of the Embassy of Chile to China. It's been an honor taking part on your show and telling you about the relationship between Chile and China. Wishing you all the best. You are listening to newsplusradio.cn. Check
4: Check out out our our official official website.
10: website. Our website address is newsplusradio.cn.
4: CRI, your bridge, bridge to, China to China and, and the, the world. In depth analysis, valuable insights, expert views, presented by an award winning team. Today, keeping you well informed, up to date, and ahead of the news.
1: You're listening to Today with me, Sui. Joining me in the studio for other news is Zhao Ying again.
8: More classic articles and poems will be added to Chinese textbooks in high schools, according to the newly released National Curriculum Standards. The Ministry of Education suggested that classic and contemporary literature shall be selected equally. Under the new guidelines, the number of classic literature works to be recited by students will be increased from the current 14 pieces to 72 in the future.
1: I think it's a good idea. First, of course, it's about our traditional Chinese culture. It shows that we uh, more and more realize they are good stuff, traditional Chinese culture that should be passed on generation by generation. And I think cultural confidence is very important for young people and also for an entire country, because what's happening now will make much more sense if we put everything into a broader perspective. And specifically on traditional Chinese culture, I think we We indeed lost something after we kicked off the modernization process like 200 years ago. But this time, the teachers put something, the literature like Lao Tzu into the textbooks. We know Taoist school is one of the three pillars of the Chinese culture. We can learn so much from those wisdoms. So teaching young people traditional Chinese literature, traditional Chinese culture is also good for their future life, their comprehensive personal development.
8: Right, and nowadays I think we're living in an internet society where people read and write in such a quick manner, and sometimes people don't really think about and appreciate the beauty of the Chinese language. And people use the popular cyber language and emojis a lot, that some of them can hardly write complete and accurate sentences. So I think reading and reciting classic poems is very helpful in giving the students a very good aesthetic appreciation of literature, and also good skill to to write in the future. And also, just as you have mentioned, it is not only about the beauty of Chinese language, but also it is about the wisdom and philosophy of ancient Chinese people. And by learning those classic works, you'll get to know how the wisdoms of our ancestors have influenced people's way of thinking for thousands of years, and even our society today, our domestic and foreign policies. For example, um, the Spring and Autumn Annals wrote that Weiwu, mm. which means military forces are only to be used for the maintenance of peace and order. And the highest principles in military philosophy is to prevent wars instead of creating wars. That coincides with China's foreign policy today. Mm,
1: Exactly, I agree. We need more reading and understanding of our ancient culture. It will nurture students' critical thinking ability, and also reading will become a lifelong habit and another suggestion, I think we can encourage more students enrolled in calligraphy courses like maybe traditional Chinese painting because so much can be learned from practicing those traditional Chinese techniques. Right. Let's move on to our second story.
8: The Sun and death. The sudden death of Irish pop band Cranberry's lead singer Dolores O'Riordan hit the headline on Tuesday. She died while she was in London for a short recording session at the age of 46. The cause of her death is not disclosed. The Irish musician led the band to international success in the 90s with singles including Linger, Zombie and Dreams.
1: May her rest in peace and uh, condolences to her family and loved ones. It's worth to mention uh, her music heavily influenced Chinese music lovers and also several artists. People say their music life began with Dolores and Chinese singers find themselves linked with her works.
8: Right, and I guess many Chinese people get to know the cranberries through Fei Wong's adoption of their song Dreams Mm -hmm. in the movie Chongqing Express. And also that song also... um, Widen the horizon of music fans because the public became more receptive towards alternative music, opening doors to artists who did not conform to the mainstream model. And also um, the Cranberries gave two concerts in Shanghai and Beijing in 2011 as part of their Asian tour that year. That was their first on the Chinese mainland. And also they opened their Weibo account before they came to China that year, which now have nearly 90,000 followers. And their latest post on Weibo says, farewell, my lady. Hope never grow old.
5: Hope
8: never Thank
1: you very much. That's all the time we have for this edition of today. Xi Jinping has told Trump it's vital for the international community to stay united over the Korean peninsula issue. Chinese foreign minister rejects the claim that China's financing increases Africa's debt burden. China says Indian army chiefs comments over its influence unconstructive. China develops typhoon forecast system. If you want to listen to this episode again or catch up on previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching for World News Analysis. You can also follow us on Weibo. We are CRI today. I am Su on behalf of Zhao Ying, our production engineer Zhang Yan, and the rest of our team. Thank you very much for listening.